Before thee let my cry come near, O Lord, true to thy word, teach me before thee. We are thankful that you are able to join us today as Pastor Mark Robinette preaches another sermon at Foundation Church here in Mount Sterling, Ohio. If this message is an encouragement to you, and we pray that it will be, please consider taking the time to go to www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org and let us know. Thank you, and may the Lord richly bless you through His Word. Let my lips thy praise confess, yea, of thy word my tongue would sing, Greetings this Lord's Day in the name of Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords, heaven is his throne and the earth is his footstool, footstool. yet he does delight in his people though we are but the dust at his feet. He is the one who has loved us with an everlasting love and whose mercies are new every morning and he has called us today to assemble as his people to worship him. You know, that just amazes me that he loves us like that. Amen? As we gather today here on earth, I would hope that our hearts would be fixed on heaven. May we live each day with eternity in our hearts and on our minds and in every act we do here under the sun. King David says in Psalm 148, Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord from the heavens and praise Him from the heights. Praise ye Him all His angels and praise ye Him all His hosts. Praise ye Him sun and moon and praise Him all ye stars of light. Praise Him ye heavens of heavens and ye waters that be above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord for He commanded and they were created. He hath established them forever and ever, and he hath made a decree which shall not pass. Praise the Lord from the earth, you dragons, and all you in the deep. Fire, hail, snow, vapor, storms, fulfilling his every word. Mountains and hills, fruitful trees and cedars, beasts and cattle, creeping things and flying fowl, kings of the earth, and all the people, princes and all the judges of the earth, both young men and maidens, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord. For his name alone is excellent, and his glory is above the earth and the heavens. He exalts the horn of his people, the praise of all of his saints, even the children of Israel, a people near unto him. And let us all respond with praise, ye the Lord. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for gathering us together in your presence today. Lord, we hear the echoes of the psalmist as he shouts from the mountaintops of his joy. Lord, may we be filled with the joy of heaven today. Lord, as we come before you, lowly as we are, you lift us up. 
as we come before you stained in the crimson stains of sin, we know that you will wash us so that we will be whiter than snow. And Lord, we come before you hungry and we know we will leave fed and satisfied. Lord, feed us today from heaven that we might always keep heaven in our hearts and in our minds as we walk on the earth. In Christ's name we pray. And all the church said, Amen. Amen. standing for a moment i'm going to read to you my text excuse me from the book of john chapter 14 starting in verse 1 and i'm going to read verses 1 through 7 let not your heart be troubled you believe in god believe also in me in my father's house are many mansions if it were not so i would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. And whether I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. If you had known me, you should have known my Father, and from henceforth you know him, and you have seen him. Let us pray. Lord, we come to this time of our service and our worship to you. We're listening for your voice. Speak to us today. Lord, we long to hear you, not a man's clever ideas or something to tickle our ears, but something to turn our hearts to heaven. Lord, may we indeed hear your voice that we may gaze heavenward this morning. In Christ's name we pray and all the church said amen. amen. You may be seated. Man is lost. Everybody say, man is lost. He's blind. He's deaf. He, he really lost his way a long time ago. He lost his home, fellowship with his father. He lost the truth. And ultimately, what did he lose, guys? He lost his, he lost his life. Man died the day he decided to believe his own version of the truth and to go his own way. And by himself, there is no way back home. No way. That's what sin did. In fact, that's what sin still does today. Sin brings blindness. It dulls the hearing. It separates us from those that we love. And it chokes out all life and leaves us with nothing. It leaves us deceived with no place of our own. The enemy comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. We know that sin, when it is finished, brings death. That's what sin does. 
Now, you know, this would be one thing for a creature that lives one day and dies the next, like a blade of grass or a wilting flower. It would be one thing, right? But man is not a creature like this at all. We know God's Word teaches us that man was made with a soul that can never die. We ask our kids in the catechism, do you have a soul that can never die? And the kids say, yes, I have a soul that can never die. That's not in the larger, it's in the little kids' tiny catechism, but, but I like that question. Because of his sin, his body may die, but it will return to the dust from which it came. But his immortal soul is going to return to God. Now, sometimes we don't think like this. After the judgment, every man will either find heaven as his home by the help of God, or his journey will take him down his path of darkness, and blindly he falls in the eternal ditch of hell ever to wander in unfulfilled torment. There's only two ways to go. There's the way to hell, and there's the way home. There's only two ways. You can't, there's no, there's no other path. They say all roads lead to Rome, and I would say all, you know, all roads don't lead to Rome. All roads lead to hell or home. This is what it means to be lost in the truest sense. All of us will live forever somewhere, whether under the grace of God or the object of God's wrath. The life we live here on this earth is so very short compared to the eternity that follows that we, we define what our life is right now. It's really just a vapor, the Bible tells us, that passes quickly before the endless dawn of eternity. Folks, we do not live like this, though. I say it, and it, you know, I'm even listening to my own words, and they're very poetic, but I think we think they're a poem. All this life is a vapor. We, we like to talk like this when we're standing at the, the, bed, you know, the bedside or we're standing at a coffin. We like to say it, and, and it sounds poetic, but we don't live this way that our life is a vapor. That Amy, all this stuff that you're working for and thinking about it and focusing on right now, is not the big show. It's the vapor. It's the small thing. It's the, it's the thing that's this big compared to the other thing. But we live like this thing is what matters most. That's, what we, that's how we live. It is certainly hard to comprehend, but it's true. We will spend eternity in the bliss of God's goodness or in torment with the damned. We will swim in the warm waters of the pleasures at the right hand of God forevermore. Or we will find ourselves in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone where the worm does not die. Sin unrepented of, sin unforsaken, sin unforgiven by God takes souls to hell. Hell is the destination of the lost. Here in John 14 and all the way to the end of the book of John chapter 21, John offers us a great deal not shown to us by Matthew, Mark, and Luke. If you, if you study the life of Christ, you know, you're tracking along with Matthew, Mark, and Luke and you can kind of parallel them, but John just goes off the grid. When you are in John 13, which is in the middle of the book of John, he is at the Last Supper. 
He is at the washing of the feet of the disciples. He is at the last day of Christ being on earth in John 13. But John doesn't end until chapter 21. You ever notice this? You read the other Gospels, you get to the end, what's happening? Very end of the book, you know, Mark 15, right before the last, boom, Jesus is being crucified. You get to Matthew, you're all the way in chapter 27. Right smack in the middle of John's book, he stops in chapter 13 at the end and starts chapter 14 with the last day of Christ's life and chapter 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, and 21 are to follow in the last day of Christ. That's a, that's a lot to cover. And guess what we're going to do, guys? We're going to cover it all. We're going to live in it for weeks and months in the last day of Christ. Isn't that going to be great? In the words that he spoke, in the prayers that he made, Jesus is showing us and all of God's children the way home, Steve. He opens our eyes to the truth and He gives us entrance into life more abundantly. I'm going to say it again. Jesus is showing us and all of His children the way home. He's opening our eyes to the truth and He's giving us entrance into life more abundantly. As you remember from our teaching over the past few weeks, here in John 14, Jesus was now in the last hours of his life. He had entered Jerusalem the last time, riding on a colt that had never been ridden. People waved palm branches in the, in the air, and they laid him down at his feet in the road as they sang Hosanna. He had overturned the tables in the temple where they had made merchandise of God's people. And he declared that instead of that, that his house should be called a house of prayer. He and his disciples had gathered in the upper room for their last supper, and at the first of his last acts, as we talked about two weeks ago, he washed their feet, showing them how they were to treat one another. Did you try it, Steve? You told me you were going to try this out. Folks, I'm telling you, if we... If you could just take one sermon I've ever preached and, 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 and do, just try to just do one thing in it. If you could, whatever, when I preached the week before last, try to do that. It applies to everything. You know, Andy, your, one of your kids does something to the other. You go, were you treating them like they were better than you? Were you treating them with that they were greater esteem than you? And what are they going to answer most of the time? What are you going to answer? No? Let's do that. What if we would do that? He taught him that. That's how we're supposed to live here. He said, each of us were called upon God to wash the daily muck of sin that holds fast to our brother's and sister's feet. He showed them by example that in love they were to serve one another in this daily washing by the word, words of admonition and encouragement. Is that what, is that what you do? Is that what you do with your mouth, Elizabeth? Benj? Nathaniel? Wash your brother with the waters of the word. Wash the muck of sin off of their life with words of encouragement and love. Is that, kids, is that what you do at your house? What would happen if we did? We can joke about it, but the truth is, is if we, didn't, if we did it, it would be no joke. We would go, why don't we always do this? 
Judas Iscariot had left already at this time as we get to John 14. He had left to betray Jesus. And now this swine would not be there for Jesus to cast his pearls before he would return to rend his friend. But the pearls Jesus was going to lay out now, they weren't going to be cast before Judas. During their last supper, Peter had been told he was going to deny the Lord. You know, at that point, I think I would have got mad and maybe left. Peter stuck around. He's still there. You're going to deny me. Really? I don't believe that, but, you know. So what are we doing now? Peter's still there. Hadn't left. Still got a little wine in his beard, probably. Still can feel the bread in his teeth. Wondering, hey, am I, gonna, am I the bad one he's talking about that's going to betray the Lord? I hope not. Wow. He starts off John 14 right there, right in this time period. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. You see, before they had met Jesus, they were men of faith. You know, Jesus didn't go meet a bunch of heathen unbelievers who didn't believe in God. He, he met men of faith, men who were looking for the God of heaven, right? They believed in him. They, they believed the Father of creation, the mighty God of heaven. They were looking for the promised Messiah with great anticipation. It says of true believers in Hebrews 11 that this is what a sign of sonship is. These 11 men were the children of Israel. The God of heaven was their father. They believed in him and his word. They believed he was the rewarder of those that diligently sought after him. And didn't they get a great reward? You know, we never know they're coming like that, do we? They meet a guy, you know, their whole life. The whole life of hundreds of years of their fathers and grandfathers dreaming of, hey, God will reward you. If you're waiting and you're looking for him. If they, met, they didn't even know when they met Jesus that they, they would be rewarded like no other men that ever lived on planet earth. They would be honored among the small number of men and women that Jesus would call his friends. He knew the trouble that was about to come to all of them and he knew he would not be there in the flesh to comfort them. They would be comforted from what was about to happen and how they would watch him die and, and suffer and be falsely accused. They would see that tor torment happen to their Lord, but they would also have to be comforted from the cowardly way they responded. How they would deny him and how they would hide from trouble that would come because of him. Let not your heart be troubled, Peter, even though you will deny me. Let not your heart be troubled, even though one of you is about to betray me. Let not your heart be troubled, because I have to suffer many things right before your eyes, and you will live the rest of your days in the flesh without me and you together anymore. You know, the worst thing they would ever suffer, I believe, was that Jesus wasn't going to be with them. I mean, you've experienced pain and difficulty in your life, but there's nothing like when the one that you love more than anything is not going to be with you anymore. And you know they loved him. They believed in God. Their time with Jesus had bolstered their faith, but now they had also come to faith in Jesus, the Son of God. This is the faith that would keep them. 
It's what would preserve them through many years of trials. That's what faith in Jesus does. It's one thing to have faith in what you can't see and you can't hear. It's another to walk and talk with God like Adam did. And these men were walking and talking with God like no man had ever done since the time Adam lived in Eden. They, like Adam, had heard the living word of God, not just read on the parchment from parchment or even heard thundering from heaven on a mountain. They had tasted, they had seen, they had touched with their hands what others could only dream of holding in their arms. They laid upon his breast, they heard his voice, they felt his touch. They would probably forever remember what it was like as he washed their feet. But now their faith took on new dimensions. They had gotten to know more about God than any men who had ever lived. The Son of God had come down to earth telling them about His Father. This wasn't a Jewish concept they really had been taught or really that they understood that God's multi-dimension, multifaceted, I'm afraid to even say words because I don't want to get them wrong, but God was more complex than they had realized. God was more lovely and beautiful than they could imagine. The God that needed nothing had everything. And not only did he have everything within himself, he had someone to love. Someone to talk to. He didn't need to make us to have someone to talk to. Before all time, he was together with himself. The Trinity. They believed Jesus was the promised Messiah who had come to establish a new world order. He was not merely a prophet. He was the eternal Son of God. They were starting to understand this. This was mystery was being opened for them. They were beginning to see the glory, the glories of the Trinity. Jesus came from the Father. That's what he said. I come from my Father, right? He was always talking about his Father, but he always... He would say, the words that I speak, they're not my own, but they're my Father's. The works that I came to do, they're not my own, but they're my Father's. Oh, I'm not going to do my will, but thy will be done. Now he was returning to his Father's house. You see, the greatest suffering of Christ was his separation from, from the Father. But Jesus would go to the Father and they would follow him there. How would they get there without him? They would need to know their way home. Jesus was about to show them. And they would not like what he was going to show them. Because the way home for Jesus was going to be horrible. It was going to be painful. It was going to be humiliating and difficult. They wanted to be with Him and they wanted to go home. And a lot of, we want that, right? But what we don't want to do is what we've got to do to get there. That's what we don't want to do. And Jesus had told them, He had explained to them, but what He was going to do next was He was going to show them the way home. This has been on my mind all week long. I've been thinking about this. You see, 
it's the way home for all of us. The way home is the way of death. Like the seed that must be planted in the ground, they would all have to be sown in death on their way home. They had followed him everywhere, and he would teach them how to follow him through the veil of human flesh to find their way to their eternal home with the Father. He was showing them their way home. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. Now, folks, this is new. If, you, if you're reading in the story of Jesus and you're reading Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and you get here in John, he's now cracking the door a little bit and he's showing them something. And he said, I'm going away to my Father's house. Wow. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I'm going to prepare a place for you, that where I am, there you may be also. He was going, he was leaving them, but they were going too. He was going to his father's house. He was going home. He was going to prepare a place for them. He was going to heaven. All men will get there, though, the same way through death. Now, one word chosen by the translators of the King James Bible has often given way to a great deal of silly imaginations many have used the word mansion everybody say mansion they've used it to put forth the notion never meant to be given here by our lord jesus images of how great our own personal mansion steve come on have you heard these sermons have you heard him talk about it and i was so silly i was hanging on every word i was thinking about it myself my own personal mansion has anyone ever done this? You, you guys just may not be silly like old Pastor Mark, but I, I, I'm like, wow. It's going to be nice. It's going to be good. I'm going to have me a place, right? Now, all of, a lot of you younger kids, you don't probably use the word mansion. If you're a little kid, and you, you do, it's not even a word we use today, right? A mansion. You guys know what, how many of you kids know what a mansion is? You guys do know? All right, it's made its way. What's a mansion? Who can yell it out what it is? Tell me, what is it? A really big house. Really fancy, right? Really nice. Would you like to live in a mansion? Yeah, yeah, me too. In talking about the lure of heaven, we told each other and everyone of us that we'll have our own mansion, our own extraordinary edifice, standing on our very own hill, equipped with the finest things, the most beautiful chandeliers. I mean, I don't know what they'll be for, but chandeliers will be great. Beautiful things, furniture. I've got a mansion way over the hilltop on that bright shore where we'll never grow old. You got, you, we don't sing that in Presbyterian churches, but... We used to. But wait, you may have sung that one, right? 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 No? All right. Your dad was better. Fortunately, right. Lord, build me just a cabin in the corner of glory land. You know. In the shade of the tree of life so it will ever stand where I can just hear the angels sing and shake Jesus' hand. Lord, build me just a cabin in the corner of glory land. 
We used to sing songs like that. And we'd imagine and we would picture this place we were going to live, this fancy edifice or, or this simple cabin, you know. Hillbillies were like, I don't need all them fancy fixings. I'll just take me a cabin. I'll have a deer's head up there and I'll have my grandpappy's old rifle on the wall and we don't need to get all fancy. Now, I have quite an imagination, so I dreamed about it. But as I got older, I started thinking. If we all, Luke, if we all get our own mansion, who's going to live in there with us? Now, maybe you're not like me. Maybe you're more like my wife. That would be fine. Just put a bunch of books in there, and I'll be by myself. And, you know, give me access to PBS or something like that. I don't know. She'll watch Call the Midwife or whatever it is for eternity. I don't know. I don't know what she's going to do. But you know what I like to do? I like people. I like to talk to people. I like to hear their stories. I like for them to hear mine. I like to laugh. I like to enjoy. How many people like people? You don't, you don't have to be an extrovert to go to heaven. But, I, you know, I like people. And so I got to thinking, if I'm going to get my own mansion, Jason, who's going to live in it with me if everybody else has their own? I mean, come on now. Let's just be a little... If heaven's real and we're talking about something real, don't we want to think about it, right? I mean, what would the walls be keeping in or keeping out? What would the windows and doors be for, Laura? How about the big roof to keep out the storm? Well, oh, well, we won't have that. Kind of pointless sounding, really, now that we start talking about it. You really think you're going to do a lot of hanging out on your couch in your mansion in heaven? You really think, let's say we get one of those things. Now, I'm not trying to talk down heaven. I'm just trying to help us understand Scripture better. Jesus was not saying he's going to heaven. And Jesus is, you know, he's, he was a carpenter, you know. <laughs> he's working on old Steve's mansion now. You know, I mean, these sermons we hear. Right now, he's putting up the gold trim. You know, and there's so wow, and, woo, and people are running around the church building. <laughs> These are false hopes, guys. The word mansion isn't even mansion. It just means a place. A dwelling place. And what's more important about a dwelling place than what's in it is who's in it. Amen? Paul told the Corinthians heaven was going to be great, so I'm not trying to talk heaven down. I have not seen, ear have not heard. He's quoting from Isaiah 64. Neither has it entered into the heart of man the things which God prepared for them that love him. But if you keep reading in verse 10, he says, but God has revealed these things unto those people that are his people. Folks, I know what's going to be in heaven. Steve Foy's is going to be in heaven. He won't be on his way somewhere and on his way back from somewhere. And we'll sit and we'll talk and we'll eat and, we'll, and he will tell stories. I'm telling you, I, I, I think that's what it's going to be. That may, maybe that's just my crazy idea of heaven. But I know Jesus is going to be there. And I'm going to talk to him. I don't think we'll be sleeping on our big beds that we have in heaven. I'm not looking forward to beautiful decorations and couches. I'm looking forward to being with him. Amen. I'm looking forward to being with you. I love you. You're my favorite people in the whole world. 
My favorite people in the world aren't in another church or another town. They're right here, right here in this room. And if this is all I got in heaven, just you and Jesus, that'd be enough for me. You know, if we start thinking about that, we may think a little bit differently about how we're living right here, right now. I was once in a painful conflict with a man who I believed was a brother and this conflict went on and on. It went on for a long time and I'd call him and try to talk to him and he wouldn't talk to me. And So we ran into him in a place he wasn't expecting and he saw me and, and I saw him and Andrea saw me and saw him and she grabbed me by the arm and she goes, oh no, what are you going to do? And I go, oh, you know what I'm going to do. She's like, Oh, really? I'm like, oh, yeah. He thought I didn't see him see me. He was looking back to see if I was looking back to see if he was looking back to see if I was looking back at me and all that. And sure, he hit it out the back. He was out the back door, and I got out of my seat, and I followed him, and I followed him. And he was walking, and when he got, he literally was so occupied trying not to see me, he, he like walked into a wall. He's like standing like this against the wall, and I'm standing behind him. He turns around and goes, <gasps> I'm like, brother, I'm so glad to see you. I love you. I've missed you. I've been praying for an opportunity to be with you. And he goes, I need you to, I need, hey, I'm not ready for this. It had been more than a year uh, of him not talking to me. And I answered my calls. My heart was in pain. I love this brother. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I need more. I'm like, what do you need more time for, brother? Come on. And I was kind of desperate to get him to talk to me. He wouldn't talk to me. And I think the Lord gave me something to say to him, Jim. You know, I said, I said, do you think I'm going to go to heaven one day? He made his face, you know, kind of, well, yeah. I go, are you going to go too? He's like, well, yeah, of course. And I go, what kind of relationship do you think we're going to have in heaven? I said, what if we started it right now and we had the kind of relationship we're going to have in heaven? What if we started it right now? I think that's worth asking today. Are we living with the people that we're living with here right now? Do we have in mind that we're going to be in heaven together for eternity? You know, Jonathan, we're going to, you know, work at Wendy's or not, or we're going to, this idea is going to work out, or this thing's going to succeed or not, right? We know, whatever. But let me tell you what I know. I know more than I know what I'm going to be doing next week, and, or what I think I would do next week if God is kind enough to let me live a little bit longer, or even kinder, and takes me home. I don't know that I'm going to remember that I'm going to be in heaven for eternity, but here just for a little while. The question I think God is wanting to ask us today is, are we living now as though we're going to be in eternity together? Is that how you live with your sister? Is that how you live with your brother and your mom and your dad? Is that how you live? Or do we live just making by, make, get by today, right now? We got our thing that's important to us. 
Are we living with one another like we will in our celestial home or more like the things around us now are all there is? The Bible has a lot to say about this. Jesus had quite a bit to say about this as he taught his disciples and later on they would learn more. And he read first from Colossians what Paul understood about it, right? Jesus said in Matthew 6, Lay not up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures where, guys? Well, how can we do that? Do you think gold will be valuable in heaven if we could get it there? Or do you think there'll be streets with that on it so the market will be kind of flooded with it? Your gold won't go up in price, will it, Andy, when it, you, if, if you've got any of it left, right? If you bring it with you to heaven, it'd probably, probably all the investors will be wrong, and gold is actually going to go down in value. <laughs> Lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. What kind of treasures could those be? Things that are eternal, maybe? Things that are going to live forever? How about those things? How do you do that? And he says this, and I'm telling you, it's just where it's, I, I guess maybe I could just sum all up what I'm wanting to say to you in Jesus' next words. He says, because let me explain something to you. Where your treasure is, is where your heart will be also. Where's your treasure? Where's your heart? Colossians 2, set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. Where are your affections? When John called his readers to love one another, he reminded them not to love the world, neither the things that were in the world. You can miss what, goes, what he says next. He says, he says, all that's in the world, right? Lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, the pride of life. And he says, but these things pass away and, and the lust thereof. But nobody focuses on the last few words of that verse. He goes, but he that does the will of my father, he doesn't pass away. We're thinking about lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, pride of life. We're dissecting it. We're making graphs. And at the very end, he's letting you know all that stuff that you could graph and list and think and not want and not like and not worry about. That's all going to be gone one day. But let me tell you all, but he that does the will of my Father in heaven, he isn't going to pass away. Josh, what would we do if we really believed that you and me, you and me, buddy, we're going to be in eternity together with Christ? What would we do if we believed that? How would we, be, how would we live differently? I think God is calling us to think about that today. I need someone to plug this in. It's somehow come unplugged or something. My computer battery is going to go to heaven before my sermon ends. <laughs> You've heard it said rightly that home is where the heart is. Even here on earth, our homes mean very little to us compared to those who live in those houses. Amen? Tornadoes, difficulties, earthquakes, fires, they happen. And what do people always say? Well, thank God nothing important got lost. Because you can replace all that stuff 
But I got my babies with me, right? I mean, if you've heard it said it once, you've heard it said a million times. If those things were destroyed and yet our husbands and wives and children, our brothers, they remain, we still have a home, amen? Home is where the heart is. But the deal is we have to put our heart on home. Home is a wonderful place where we can, Jesus was explaining, he said this is where we can be together. He said that where I am, there you may be also. He's telling them, we're, we're going to be in a place they're not going to take from us. We, didn't have to, we won't have to borrow an upper room to gather together. It'll be your home. He says in verse 3, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Can you see what he's saying? Jesus is going to be there. This is what will make our houses there, our dwelling places there, a home. Jesus will be there. They will once again eat and drink with him and talk to him. How beautiful heaven must be. Home of the happy and free. A haven of rest for the weary. No wishing for somewhere else to be. And whither I go, you know the way. Thomas said, Lord, we know not where you're going. He still wasn't getting it. So how can we know how to go? And Jesus was like, Thomas was saying, I don't know what you're talking about, Lord. And Jesus answered him this way, and I'll close with this. I, I got a lot more. We're going to be in this for weeks. You, got, you don't mind if we just take our time and go through it? Jesus said unto him, I am the way. I am the truth, and I am the life. Jesus is the way home. And the way Jesus made it home to his father is the way we're going to make it there too. Maybe through death, maybe through humiliation here. But you know what's waiting on the other side is going to be worth every bit of that. Because I think it'll make heaven that much sweeter, that much more wonderful. If he that's been forgiven much loveth much, how about he that has endured great suffering and difficulty, how much sweeter will heaven be for us? They say hunger makes the greatest chefs. And maybe our souls can be made hungry with the difficulty of suffering here for Christ that we may live in glory with him forever. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me, if you had known me, you should have known my father. And from henceforth, you know him. And you have seen him. Jesus is introducing them to God in a sense they have never seen. And he's getting ready to do something. And I'll give you a little glimpse into where we're going next week. He began to tell them that God, that he's going to take some of home. And he's going to put it. In their hearts, he was going to put home in their hearts. And that's what the Holy Spirit is. Home in our hearts.
See, Jesus left in the flesh, but he said, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send someone, the comforter, the Father's going to send in my name. He said, I am with you, but I will be in you. And so Jesus said, not only am I preparing a home for you, but I'm taking home and I'm going to put it in your heart. I'm going to bring you home. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Oh, Lord God, may we have eternity in our hearts today. May we love each other and live with each other with this great and powerful truth, oh God. May we not covet as our question in the catechism has warned us against from your commands. But Lord, may we long for heaven. May we long for heaven, not for the mansions that will or will not be there, oh God, but may we long for the home that will be there for us, that you have made for us. And may the Spirit in our heart cry, longing for home with the Father, Abba Father, as it cries in our hearts. May we live lives crying out for heaven. Remembering that is our home, that this world is not our home. May we live with eternity in our hearts as we find our way home. In Christ's name we pray. And all the church said, Amen. Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Robinette of Foundation Church. Thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to our audio sermons. We would love to hear from you if you have any comments, questions, or just to let us know how they served you. Go to our website, www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org, and send us a note. Thank you, and it's a pleasure to serve you.